welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you here on a beautiful Thursday morning here from sunny San Diego, California. It's March 4th, 2021, and it's an episode where we're going to be talking about saying goodbye to a few people, you know, maybe bring Michael Scott in from the office to sing, goodbye, Toby, it's been nice, hope you find your paradise. So, you know, hey, why? who needs Michael Scott when you got Dean Ryan, a Cali Green Monster with pipes like that? So I'm on the show, we're definitely going to talk about the departure of two notable heavyweights from the UFC heavyweight division that got released last night. And I want to highlight a few things from the NBA that happened last night that, you know, caught my attention watching SportsCenter this morning. But first, let's talk some NFL. The NFL is going to be experiencing what a lot of people are talking about, maybe a seismic shift in how the league's going to look and how a lot of different franchises are going to look based on personnel. So the reason being is that the salary cap is expected to be lowered this year. So typically the NFL revenues increase year after year, and that's how they base the salary cap on, you know, based on how much teams make is based off how much they can spend on players. Well, since COVID happened last year and most teams weren't able to even have fans in the stadium for most of the season and teams that actually had fans in the stands, we're at maybe 20% capacity on the high end. So NFL lost a lot of revenue relative to all the other years and relative to the projections prior to COVID-19. So in 2020, the cap was at 198.2 million, so just shy of 200 million. And in 2021, the cap's expected to be about 180 to $185 million. So a lot of teams structure their contracts and get players and acquire them and, you know, will lay out the amount of money per year based off of, you know, sometimes projected salary caps, you know, with the way the NFL is and the way it's pretty much the dominant sport in this country, you do just expect the revenues to increase. So, you know, in turn, you expect the salary cap to increase. So that's going to be an issue for a lot of notable veterans because, you know, veterans tend to have larger contracts and, you know, larger contracts are the ones that are probably larger veteran contracts are the ones that are going to have to come off the books for some of these teams to even stay under the cap or to be able to give flexibility to be able to make any sort of moves. So, you know, we've already seen so far some notable players getting released. You know, it was Kyle Van Oy, linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. He was only a year into his deal where he signed last year and you know that was something that caught a lot of people off guard and very surprising you know he's was on Pat McAfee's show plenty of times throughout the season and he seemed like he was one of the team leaders and he was happy to be there so surprised to see Kyle Van Noy get released you know some of the other ones that got released aren't as surprising but still you would think that if it was under normal circumstances and a normal cap, you might not see be seeing these guys get released. You know, there's Jared Cook from the New Orleans Saints. The Saints have really big cap issues. If you look on Track, that keeps track of all the salary caps and space for all the NFL teams, you'll see that New Orleans is really, really, really severely over the cap. So 
they're you know they're going to be having to probably make a lot of moves you know going forward so i think i I expect jared cook just to be the first in a line of many you know moves from new orleans so they might look completely different you know regardless of what's going on with drew Brees or whoever they decide to have under center whether that be Taysom hill or Jameis winston or making a move for russell wilson so we'll you know new orleans saints i expect them to be good but i expect them to look different kyle rudolph tight end for the minnesota vikings he's already been released that was something that a lot of people were kind of speculating there was talks that he was going to have to renegotiate his contract and he didn't seem like he wanted to take a pay cut so when that happens there's usually you know something's got to break so and Kyle Rudolph he looks like he's going to be out of there some other guys Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey both from the Philadelphia Eagles those guys both are expected to be released as well I mean they both are kind of you know up there in age and kind of had it have had injury issues as of recently Alshon Jeffrey is someone that you know in fantasy football you definitely stay away from because it seems like he just has been playing for the past few years and I mean when he is playing he's really good but you know not really a surprise to see Philadelphia get rid of those two guys and they're definitely probably going to look to reload at wide receiver in the draft coming up and then this morning Golden Tate wide receiver of the New York Giants he was released as well so you know, already we've seen, you know, some notable guys get released, some guys that, you know, you might not typically expect to get released. But Diana Rossini, she's a reporter for ESPN. She was the reporter that actually, like, put out that J.J. Watt was getting an offer of upwards of 15 to $16 million. So, and that turned out to be correct because that's exactly what he got from the Arizona Cardinals. So she seems to be a credible source, and she's been on the record for saying that there's going to be some like mass mass casualties in the league, and by mass casualties of just like like people getting released to try to get you know for teams to stay under the cap. So you know, look you going through websites and hearing on shows. There's I, I put a couple of you know notable people that might potentially get released that might surprise some people you know we got Von Miller he was Super Bowl MVP for the Broncos he's just been you know really important to the Denver Broncos over this past decade he's 32 years old he's potentially might have some disciplinary you know sanctions coming from the NFL I guess he got arrested or has been under investigation for something going on in January I'm not too sure what's going on but if there's a potential suspension for Von Miller his play has been declining just slightly from his you know Hall of Fame standards that he's been playing at so and releasing Von Miller would save 18 million dollars in cap so you know for the Denver Broncos that would give them some flexibility to work and you know especially for a guy that you know might not be there and wasn't there last year due to injury you know I could see I expect him to get released you got Marcus Mariota backup quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders the John Gruden and all the Oakland front office it seems like they're very sold on Derek Carr continuing to be their quarterback so where they were a team that was rumored to possibly bringing in Russell Wilson or something or you know, there was people speculating that Mariota did so well last year that they might move Carr, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So with Marcus Mariota, releasing him would save about $11.35 million. There's teams that were impressed with his performance last year when he came in for injured Derek Carr. So I expect Mariota to be released. 
And, yeah, so I expect him to be released. Cornerback from the Tennessee Titans, Malcolm Butler. You know, he's 31 years old. Releasing him would be about $10.2 million in cap. You know, he's – the Tennessee Titans would still need to replace him at cornerback, but he still – I don't think he's playing at the level of, you know, being, you know – over a $10 million quarterback, especially at 31 right now. You know, so Malcolm Butler, he's a name that I expect to be released. You got Zach Ertz, tight end for Philadelphia. He's been a superstar tight end for most of the past decade. If you play fantasy football, Zach Ertz is always the top five tight end. Up until last year, last year he was a real bust. I mean, he missed, I think, about five games due to injury. But even in the games that he did play, he didn't look his normal explosive athletic self. So, I mean, releasing him would save about $4.7 million in cap space. So I could expect them to do that. He has three years left on his contract. So for a guy that, you know, looked to be definitely if the, if last year's play was any indicative, he looks to be on the downside of his career. So And they have Dallas Goddard, who I expect to be their tight end moving forward, and they're going to need to sign him. So I expect Zach Ertz to be released. And then another tight end I expect to be released is Cameron Brait. Not that Cameron Brait is bad or anything. It's just that Tampa Bay – tight end is something that they kind of have a luxury at you know last year oj howard went down so cameron Brait definitely was able to still get a lot of playing time with gronkowski also there but you know he still has three years left on his contract at six and a half million dollars i can see them getting rid of him to try to create more cap space to be able to bring back some of the notable free agents that Tampa Bay has to bring back. You know, they got to bring back Shaq Barrick and Gronk and, you know, they got Antonio Brown and they've got a handful of other dudes and Donick and Sue and Leonard Fournette. So if they want to be able to bring back a big chunk of that championship squad last year, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cameron Bray be on the chopping block for that. So you know, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, according to a lot of the rumors going on. So I think that that's just, you know, that list of people, that's just probably a small list of what we're going to be able to see. So I expect over the next couple of weeks to a month or so to be, you know, unfortunately bringing the, the names of people that have been released. But at the same time, that just brings more excitement because, you know, a lot of these guys are going to go sign at other places. You know, people like Von Miller, I think that'd be exciting to see where, you know, he winds up because I do think that he's still got enough left in the gas tank. And, you know, I think that there's going to be some other people that get released that we're going to be surprised with. So, you know, it's always exciting to start a new season or to go into a new football season, seeing players in, in different jerseys. And, you know, me as someone who plays Madden every year, one of the reasons I get the new Maddens every year is because I like the roster update. You know, I like playing with the new players. I like playing with the, the new rosters. So, you know, this, you know, Madden 22, it'll probably be a shitty game, but at least there'll be a lot of uh, completely different teams to be playing with. So moving over to the UFC, UFC heavyweight division, they released two notable heavyweights, but in retrospect, after seeing, it wasn't like it was that surprising. The two heavyweights I'm talking about was Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem. You know, Junior Dos Santos is a former UFC heavyweight champion, but, you know, since 2013, he really has kind of had a rough skid. So, you know, over his last four fights, he's lost by TKO. But if you go back to 2013, his, you know, in his third fight with Cain Velasquez, he's been five and seven, and all seven of his losses have been TKOs. You know, I feel like, 
you know, he does fight the cream of the crop, but he really is, you know, he's, he's hit over the, his career. He's really taken a beating. I think just his Cain Velasquez trilogy, he's not looked the same. That third fight, it was just by the fifth round, he was such a bloody mess and he almost just basically fell face first, you know, and that's how the fight ended. And that's not even talking about their second fight because he just got beaten to a pulp for five rounds in that fight as well. So, you know, Junior Dos Santos is someone that, you know, has my respect, in my opinion. You know, he's one of the best heavyweights of all time. And, you know, his recent four-fight skid, that's just what happens when you're that good and you're, you know, a former champion and you're lined up against the best. You know, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Jorginho Rosenstrike, Surreal Gan, those are all you know, the top heavyweights right now. So, you know, Junior Dos Santos is someone that's going to always want to be relevant in the division. And at this point, like, he's really isn't a title challenger. So, you know, releasing him wasn't that much of a surprise, but I don't expect him to go away. I expect him to pop up in Bellator or something like that. And then Alistair Overeem, he's another guy I've been mentioning that I, after his last fight against Volkov, I was speculating that he might be someone that be, might be on the chopping block, you know, because he's basically been a 500 fighter over the last five years, but his purse size has been humongous. You know, over these past five years, if you look at like his career earnings, he's been making like roughly like $800,000 like per fight. And that's a huge, huge like chunk of the purse like almost any fight card he's on he's making more than the entire prelims put together i mean even this last fight in a losing effort he still made four hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. you know i think that was still more than almost everyone on the card so you know so alistair overeem you know when he joined the ufc he was a huge acquisition he was like the best he was considered the best heavyweight outside of the ufc he was you know someone that was just had every muscle possible you know, I'm not even going to talk about whatever that may have brought those muscles about because, but he was a K1 kickboxing champion, you know, so he was very excited. They brought him in to fight Brock Lesnar and he won. So it's like he was definitely a big draw and worth that money at the beginning. But, you know, at this point, he's just a shell of his former self. You know, when he watched him against Volkov, he just didn't look. He just didn't look dangerous. Like, sure, he had some pop on his kicks, but he didn't look like that intimidating Alistair Overeem that, you know, old MMA fans are used to seeing. So, you know, for that price tag, it's really not surprising to see Overeem go. And just like JDS, I expect him to pop up in Bellator or maybe go back to kickboxing or something. I don't think he's quite finished yet. He seems like a, one of those dudes that's just going to probably keep fighting until he can't fight anymore. So... And especially seeing the UFC heavyweight division, I was mentioning when I was last talking about it a few shows back that, you know, it's it's really exciting right now. There's a lot of new contenders, a lot of young dudes, a lot of people on the come up. So I think guys like Overeem and Dos Santos, they really, at this point, were just gatekeepers. And as someone that, you know, especially JDS, he's someone that I, I do enjoy watching and, you know, I really like personally. I don't like seeing my favorite fighters just constantly getting knocked out or getting their ass kicked and that's starting to become the trend with JDS so I don't really want to see that anymore at least in the UFC so I'm glad that that's you know in a way I think these were good releases and you know sitting there kind of thinking about who else I could see getting released from the UFC or veterans that 
you know, I, I'm tired of getting seen, getting knocked out. I was thinking of my favorite, one of my favorite fighters of all time, Frankie Edgar. He seems like someone who's definitely been, you know, taking his, you know, more than his fair share of punishment over his last few fights. So if there's any veteran that, you know, I, I can foresee being on the chopping block as well, that kind of feel like I'm in the same similar situation, I could see Frankie Edgar as well. So we'll come back to revisit and see if that happens or if they decide to book him for another fight. But I do, um, yeah, that's that's it for UFC talk. Tune in for tomorrow. I'm definitely going to be covering the the pay-per-view that's coming on Saturday. There's three title fights and, you know, a couple other fights that are interesting. So I'm going to devote tomorrow's entire show to UFC talk. But, yeah, so tune in tomorrow. Before we get out of here, you know, I was taking my notes and kind of getting ready for the show this morning, just watching SportsCenter, and I figure there was a couple things in the NBA that caught my attention and I just wanted to highlight. So consider this a quick NBA minute because I'm not going to get into much detail. So the Sixers beating Utah in overtime. The thing that I wanted to bring up with this was, dude, Joel Embiid's a fucking beast. He's going to be trouble like for anyone if he can just stay healthy. And the thing that made me really just go like, the fuck, was him tying the game with that three-pointer. Like he just you know, that was a move that you'd expect a shooting guard to do, not like a huge dominating center. So very impressed by Joel Embiid. I feel like I was hard on him on a past episode in the back where he, in the past, where he was complaining about people being, you know, extra rough with him in the paint and where he gets flagrant fouls. And, you know, I was calling him a big baby, but you know what? Joel Embiid, when he's healthy, I don't know who's going to stop him. I mean, seeing that kind of range, and in a clutch moment like that, super impressive. The Houston Rockets, or the Nets, went and played Houston. It was James Harden's first return to Houston. The Nets, they keep rolling. They won 132-114. So that was a big concern when this trade happened was, are they going to be able to play defense? And it seems like, hey, I mean, if you're going to be able to put up 132 points with, you know, some of the best offensive weapons and, you know, James Harden honestly playing the MVP level, you know, Kevin Durant hasn't been around right now. He's been hurt. But James Harden, man, he's really stepped up to the plate. He's looked a little chunky, kind of like how he did at the beginning of the season with Houston. But, you know, he's come alive and, you know, he even got a triple double last night. So, no matter how the people of Houston feel about James Harden, even the owner came out and said that they're planning on retiring James Harden's number. So kind of surprising. I didn't expect that, but you know, and last night, the LeBron list and Anthony David list Lakers went to Sacramento and lost 123, 120, you know, felt like it was a noble showing for the Lakers without their two studs. And they're going to, you know, they're going to get a nice week rest right now for the all-star break. And I expect them to be good uh, going out and finishing off the regular season. And, you know, hopefully Anthony Davis is just resting up and, you know, he'll be money come playoff time. So Lakers are still, they're still my pick regardless of the past two losses this week. So, and with that, it's been a Cali green monster show. Hope you enjoyed. Again, I appreciate everyone that comes in and takes a listen you know, if you enjoy, tell a friend, go like the Facebook page. And again, if you want to listen to some UFC talk, tune in tomorrow. I'll be covering UFC 259, covering the three title fights. But until then, 
It's been a Cali Green Monster show. I'm your host, Dean Ryan, coming to you from the Tesla Studios in beautiful San Diego, California. Peace.